including the self-proclaimed second best podcast of the A7FL. My name is Casey Cox. Alongside me, Double D, Derek Duncan, and the division owner of the A7FL Nevada. How are you doing tonight, Derek? I am fantastic. I am so happy to finally get this thing off the ground. I didn't think we were going to end up doing it because the three-on-one podcast out of the East Coast is so damn good. We didn't need one, but I found a reason to have one. They don't talk about us too much. Not their fault, but that's where we're at. So we feel felt like we need to have a West Coast representation. So the uh, the other side of the ball gets a little gets a little love. So uh, Casey, who do we have for our guest? Who do we have for our guest tonight? And our guest tonight joining us for the first episode is Matt Ryan, the host of the Three on One podcast. What to running buddies? Corey Hammond and Robert Fabian. Robert, how are you guys doing tonight? It sounds like we're on trial for something. <laughs> like Matt Ryan and his running buddies, Corey Hammond and Robert Fabian. It sounds like we're watching the news, and we've either robbed a bank or shot at Reagan. I don't know which one it is, Casey, but you know. I would think the hosts of allegedly the best podcast about the A7FL that has about eight episodes that you can uh, subscribe to now on iTunes and Spotify. Um, We'd get a little more fanfare, you know, maybe a nice hat, um, a a ticker tape parade in paradise, you know, a tour of. I don't need no hat, man. It's your boy, Big Five, two time A7FL champ. You feel me? I I could give myself a hat. Thank you for the announcement, though. Rob, I got to say, uh, your audio sounds really good today. I'm very happy with, with that. If anything, oh, we're going to try awesome. to... Yeah, I don't know what you may have changed or if you just don't have he's so much just, background noise that you have to be potted down. But you sound great. High yeah. Enough yeah, no background noise. It's pretty quiet. I, I have on... That fifth it's voice that you all heard who hasn't introduced himself Team was... of the Fantasy League, uh, Corey Hammond, Corey Hammonds. You, Which, you already should know. be honest, I don't think that I drafted any Vegas players, so shame on me. <laughs> but thanks for having me on. But more importantly, what 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 you say, man? I I did at least two. You got RTC in there, right? I said I got. I picked at least two. So, yeah, yeah, I, I had both of them on there. Well, we'll say that uh, Mr. Matt Ryan knows how to recognize talent. Not to say that they didn't that any of the Vegas guys belonged any higher than they actually were drafted, uh, based on your guys's knowledge of what's happening out this way. But this podcast is specifically built to help fix some of that. We know we've got a ton of talent out this way, and it's oh, like I said, talent. yeah, of no fault of you guys, right? So we have to do a better job showcasing ourselves for you guys to take notice, and that's what we're trying to do here today. Well, we're we're glad to be here, and we're glad to have the opportunity to talk with guys on the left side of the country. You guys have some great talent out there, but you know what? This isn't my show. I'm going to back up. I'm going <laughs> to lay out. I'm just going to be here. If you need me, just call. So, uh, Double D, do we want to run down some of the names we were thinking for the podcast before we finally decided on the one we did? You know, that's a great idea. So, uh, obviously, Matt, you and I have talked quite a bit about uh, things A7FL and the goings on around the country and we were putting this thing together and I was spitballing with Casey we were coming up with some names because you know for ultimately this is a response podcast to your podcast the best podcast in the A7FL 
Uh, we're hoping to be the second best, but right now we're the self-proclaimed second best. So we were throwing out names like the return, uh, the defense. But uh, what was the other? What was the one you came up with, Casey? I was trying to think. I'm. I know the other sideline was out there. Um, yes. From the other side. Yeah, the the left. Yeah, the left hash mark. Yeah. Uh, far hash mark, and then we finally settled. Oh, no, the other the other one that I really liked, and I thought we were going to go with in the first place was two down. That yes. that wasn't a response, so we didn't go with that one. So we ultimately landed on okay. the other side of the ball. I dig so it. we are a seven FL, the other side of the ball. Well, other side. Thanks for having us on. So with that, I'd like to. Yeah, we're blessed to have you guys on, man. I, I couldn't Absolutely. think of a better way to kick this thing off than to have the, the three minds who give us all the back-end information on the history of the A7FL and the goings-on behind the scenes across the country than, than you three. So thank you very much for gracing us with your time. I know it takes up a lot. and uh, Please send my condolences to Jess. I know she she's a A7FL she widow complained. every time to meet you one of you. So, uh, but thank you all. Moms without me complaining about Abby Lee Miller and how, a ter- how much of a terrible person she is. Guys ever watch Dance Moms? Yeah. Oh, that is a very yeah. that's a very specific reference. I'm trying to do pods and, 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 and bring a level of intellectual football, the likes of which only Matt Ryan and Rob Fabian have ever seen, um, because they have to counteract all of my shenanigans with actual good takes and intelligence. But you know, Vegas. I mean, we we as the three on one podcast, and I'll speak for for Matt and Rob for a little bit. They can they can correct me because normally I am wrong. But Vegas, man, we we love you guys. We love the the energy you brought. I feel like the trash talk was one of the the best attributes of your team so far. The the interest in the Force Snow Tribe, and then later on the interest in the Force Vic game. You know, we could talk about the results, you know, later on, because this is your guys' podcast, so I'm not going to start with that. But, you know, we we are more than happy to be here helping represent both the league and then get this second uh, this second best podcast maybe uh, to rival with whoever is running that other one. <laughs> right on. So, all right. Thank you, Corey. Let's kick it off. Uh, so what we wanted to get into was uh, to start off was the awards. Uh, I take no issue with the gentleman who won all of the awards, but I want to pile on with uh, Mr. Rob Fabian's take. Uh, Variety should have won damn near everything. <laughs> the, the, I, I understand A7FL has to make room for other people to win awards, but the way he played, especially in the championship and in the playoffs and everything he did leading up to the season, he obviously deserved rookie of the year but he also more than deserved defensive player of the year and based on rob's number one pick in the draft maybe mvp as well so i'm a little i guess i'll say disappointed that the league takes the stance that they need to carve out room for other people to to award them as well but I, i guess i get it I disagree about the MVP portion. I think the two running candidates were Sterry Codrington, uh, who won, and Ashante Worthy. And you could have flipped those for Offensive Player of the Year or MVP. Uh, When it comes to Defensive Player of the Year, you can certainly make a case for Variety. But, 
you know, the guy won championship MV co-MVP with Sterry. On top of that, had a historic season and a historic game in the championship and also walked out with an A7FL championship. Also, the fact that there are three more of them, I have an odd feeling the name Verardi and tw- the year-end awards in the A7FL are going to kind of go hand-in-hand hand over the next couple of years. So him not getting this one, uh, you can consider it a snub, most certainly for Defensive Player of the Year. I think Isaac Negron had a really solid year. I think, you know, he was one of the stalwarts of a defense that was championship caliber. I think the big problem with the Patterson U last year was on the offensive line. And I don't know what that team's going to look like in 2023, but for me, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen at wide receiver and quarterback. If that offensive line stays the way it is, if it's currently constructed like that, I think big changes might be coming. But when you go back to the main conversation of Sterry and Ashante, and then you have Alex Verardi, he deserved to be the number one pick in the draft. He was going to be my number one selection if I went first. Straight up, no no lie. But I find it hard to just hand one person all of the awards because their value at each position or their value in the totality of the team – is it's that's how I vote. That's how I look at it. I, you know, your take is absolutely valid. And if you go back to the pod where I was on, I told you if I had an opportunity to draft anybody, number one, it was going to be Sterry, right? So yep. I personally believe he was the MVP. Rob does not. He thought Ishanti, because of the roundedness of his game and that he contributes on both sides of the ball, that that would be the actual MVP and Sterry should be offensive. But my position, the way I look at the way football is played and what Sterry brings to that team, you pull him off that team, they're not championship. They're they're not winning a championship. They're losing to you, in my opinion. That game was way closer than I think all of us are making it out to be. The score was way closer than all of us are making it out to be. I think it was a failed two point conversion sometime where in that game, or and it, it, it goes came into down overtime. To the one yard line, it, right? It exactly. Literally came down yeah. to the one yard line. Yeah. So I mean the the. the disparity between the two was obviously not there. They were equal in talent. Uh, obviously, the U got beat twice earlier in the season as well. But for that championship game, you pull Sterry off that squad, they, they, the U dominates. And that's my opinion, and that's why he should have gotten the MVP. But, uh, but to pile on to that and getting into the other awards, we talked about uh, the honorable mentions in some of these categories. And I, I'm going to chastise you guys just a little bit because those honorable mentions barely got mentioned. You guys talked more about Corey's wife than you did the guys who got honorable mentioned. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, look, exactly. I, I, What's have, up with that? Fair, I have allegedly the ADHD. <laughs> I mean, those roasts. Oh, it was a classic. The, the Nuba ring. The, the new- right there. So, <laughs> you know, the, the honorable mention for guys like RTC, especially for offensive rookie of the year, I think that that is, is definitely somebody that should have got uh, a lot of attention. We have to give uh, credit to Curtis Jones because, you know, I was talking in the pre-call, you know, how I was watching some of the film. And the one guy I think that definitely just jumps off the screen with his athleticism and his speed burst you know, especially on those jet uh, sweeps when the force were still trying to figure out, you know, a seven FL offense and how to call it earlier on the season, you know, Curtis Pac-Man Jones definitely, you know, deserves an honorable mention, but at the end of the day, I mean, when, when we're talking about the awards for the entire league, it's not that we discounted, you know, guys that 
probably deserve to talk about. It's just, especially for MVP and rookie of the year, there's so many guys and we just have the, we just have the litany of tape on, on some of those other guys. And when you're going against a team like BIC that went run, ran the table, had one of the best offenses, if not easily the best offense, had one of the best defense, if not easily the best defense, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to really focus on the, the periphery of the guys that were definitely balling out there, but just not at the same level as the three guys from BIC that we mentioned. And as far as defensive player of the year, Isaac Negron, you know, Verardi, whoever ended up being that guy, um, you know, it was a tough battle. So I think, you know, I'm okay with the decision, but Derek, like you said, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard pressed to say Verardi wasn't the defensive player of the year, but he did miss time. And that BIC defensive line was stacked. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, but what I wanted to drive in though, is the, the honorable mention part. I, I, there was no real discussion on the vote getters that, actually got enough votes to get honorable mention not what Corey and rob and matt saw on tv or what the fans saw on tv but the guys who actually got the votes didn't get discussed very much on the podcast and that that's part of the reason that drove me to go yeah, you know what fuck this i'm doing yeah, my own goddamn podcast i can't as deal with this a, shit anymore a, <laughs> and, uh, you know responsible in in some ways not as many ways as maybe some of the coaching staff and obviously the players on the field but you're responsible for the, the overall success, hypothetically, of the Vegas um, division as a whole. Do you think if we gave guys a pat on the back for the season that they had, that they would be in the offseason working as hard as you guys are planning? Because I'm not going to take away anything from Vegas who had one of the best inaugural years as a division that I can remember. And, you know, Florida, we were talking tons of trash. Ohio. This year, that was, and by fun, I mean, it was, you know, something that I think we all could have a few chuckles over at times. And I don't want to, you know, totally trash them because those guys are, are, you know, they have a lot of good talent over there. They're just trying to figure it out. And then California, when they came over to the final four and thought, thought that they were going to just smoke Maryland and Jersey, you know, they got a 70 burger too. So, you know, for you guys to come in and, and be as competitive, win a game, you know, on the turf of New Jersey, the first time ever a West Coast team was able to do it. You guys deserve some flowers. But as the division owner, Derek, did did you want us to give guys awards because they won the popularity contest and maybe not have them be working hard enough and be be, be satisfied with the season that they were able to put out there in the inaugural year for A7FL Nevada? Well, you, you put it like that and you make an interesting point, but I'm, I'm not responsible for how hard they work. I'm responsible how, for how much success they have in the public to make sure that the Vegas division gets seen in a, in a way that, bring, that attracts fans. You know, so, yes, playing the long game, it's probably better off that they, did, they got maybe a snub and not talked about. But in the short term, while I'm trying to grow my division out west, have the not be talked about is detrimental to our current totally success now, and what might be happening in our offseason. Now, time and then I'll let but, you kind of take back control. I do apologize. You know me. Can't help myself. But if you were if you were to give one of those guys that had an opportunity at a oh, you're good. to feel comfortable with that, that, that it wasn't just the amount of volume 
but the amount of of quality on the on the tapes that we were received and, and the, the amount of and, and the play that was on the field who of the four that we gave out mvp offensive player of the year rookie of the year defensive player of the year if you could give one of the uh excuse me one of the vegas guys which one would it be and why Uh, I think, okay, let me just put it this way. Let, let me start with this. I don't think any of our guys would have surpassed the guys that were selected. That's not what I'm driving at. No. I, I, I am driving at the popularity contest portion of the conversation. And if, if I'm to answer your question, if there was one guy who was deserving of a recognition with an award had, you know, let's say, Maybe he could have been offensive MVP, would have been RTC, right? Anthony Wilkinson. And, and, I, and I only say that because of what he meant to our division and to his team. They literally rode him to the playoffs, to a playoff win. He scored a touchdown against BIC in that game. He plays defense as well as a great tackler and an all-around great person and great representative for our city and our sport. But I don't – I would not – put his season up against the MVP season that Sterry or even Verardi had. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying recognition wise. Uh, and he, I don't think he got honorable mention anywhere. At least he didn't get mentioned in the honorable mention, but Gianni Breland did. And uh, I think it was Curtis Jones did. I, don't, I think it was as rookie yeah, of the year. Yeah. yeah. But again, no discussion around it. And that's why we're, that's why we're here today to, to give you guys some shit. And so we can talk about it. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you on that end uh, about RTC as well, Derek. From seeing what I saw, he absolutely had the most impact on the league, I felt, or on the division, I felt, this season, um, both on the field and kind of off the field. So well, let me just go on record. Without RTC, I think the force is maybe a 4-14 and four team this last season. Absolutely. Uh, he, he was their offense. I, I mean, I, I went out to the game in L.A., and and was there to represent Vegas uh, in the LA versus Vegas championship. You know, LA was a higher seed. So the force had to travel to LA to play in their, our division championship game. And it, it was close. It, it wasn't close at the end, the end, very end, because we, you know, the force actually ended up just running out the clock after being up by three and stopping uh, LA, I think on about the 10 yard line when they were trying to get in the end zone for the go ahead score. But uh, it, it was RTC's efforts on offense that, you know, he was he was the primary scorer uh, for them. He had a really nice uh, run for a touchdown and a, and a uh, quick dump screen uh, out to the right for a touchdown. And that was, you know, two of the three scores they had out there. So uh, the dude is just an absolute beast. And I'm surprised he hasn't got the XFL or USFL invites that some of our other Vegas guys have gotten that had they publicized, uh, which we'll probably get into in a little bit. But uh, as far as what you guys have seen, uh, and the other one I wanted to really talk about was Johnny Breland and how well he played in, in his games against the BIC. You know, he covered Ashanti most of the game, and you know Ashanti's only touchdown came on a return. and He didn't really do much on offense with Gianni covering him. Uh, I'm not calling anybody out at this point, but I don't know if Ashanti would say – I mean, Ashanti came up to me after the game. He said – he looked at me in the eyes and said, you know what? I fucks with y'all. I like what you guys are doing. Keep it up. And I, I appreciated that. I gave him all the respect and kudos that I think – the man is a flat-out baller, and any team would be absolutely blessed to have him on their squad. 
But I think he would tell you that Johnny Johnny gave him a run for his money that day. So, uh, God, I don't know. But he's he's a DB. He's uh, he he does the throw offs for them too. Usually, he was actually injured before the game, so he didn't uh, play on the return game. He only played defense uh, that game. He had a he had a knee. So and he wasn't the guy who uh, got his knee tore up <laughs> on the <laughs> on the uh, uh, KK. Who was the returner? K-K. Special K. Oh, what's his, what's his name? Kason Campbell. Campbell. Thank you. Yeah, and I, did I hear Kason's getting a USFL tryout invite? Allegedly, that's what you know. Some people are saying that Kason no, Campbell. I can I can almost confirm that. Like I can almost confirm that. Like he's been contacted through. Other, honestly, he's been contact contacted through other celebs who then contacted him to let him know that the um, XFL, the USFL, those guys are looking for him right now. So I could almost like double confirm that. Well, I know for sure that the, that USFL contacted the A7FL about him. I just don't know what the final outcome was. That did they extend him an invitation? Did they offer him a contract? What does that look like? I know some yeah, of these that, leagues are just offering guys contracts as they show yeah. up. That so, I don't know. I can't confirm I that, but I do know he's been from contacted. USFL, big stiff on, on. but he was stronger than me. Didn't work. Is there a USFL guy out east that's playing against you guys right now, Corey? Is that what happened? That I would probably be involved in, so everybody thought it was funny. So, uh, so with that, do we want to jump into? Uh, I guess I, let me say I, I would like to jump into the conversation about the other pro leagues that are stepped down from the NFL, XFL, CFL, USFL that are paying these guys decent money that are reaching out to the A7FL and recruiting and scouting our guys. That that for me is probably the biggest get for our league right now while we're still trying to develop our prominence. And I don't know if you guys Absolutely. have seen the chart that was put out by the GDFL, which is the, I want to say probably the most recognized and largest uh, developmental league football league in, in the country. They've got a 32 team team that spans the entire country. They put out a chart of organizational chart of where all of these uh, different leagues and uh, are positioned. And they had, of course, NFL at the top uh, of the, regular football. Then they had an indoor section with the IFL, uh, NAL, and fan control football at the top of that. But down just below the NFL, they had, you know, the pro leagues, what they call uh, minor leagues of football is how they, how they expressed it. It was USFL, XFL, and CFL. And then just below that was they call the alternative leagues, which they had two Mexican leagues, which I've never paid attention to before. I, I need to learn more about that. It just came out today, so I've got no information on that yet. But right next to them was A7. And below them was every other semi-pro across the country. They had a, another smattering of like upper-level guys, including the GDFL. And then below that, another set of, a subset. And then below that, like 30 different semi-pro pro leagues. So – even the GDFL is looking at us with their own posts that they respect our league as a place that their guys might want to grow to. And I think that is a great thing for our league. And with the USFL, CFL, and USFL reaching to the A7FL to recruit some of our guys, I think that's a big get to attract other 
star athletes who are looking to get noticed to our league? What what say you guys? And I would say not only just to get noticed, but also it just it keeps the development of the players up. It gives them something to do kind of because the USFL has their own season during its time. We have our season during ours. The NFL is during their season. It kind of gives you different seasons to keep the players active and keep them going. So I think it's only a good thing that other leagues are looking at us this early on, especially. Yeah, that's mine and your sentiment, Casey. I'm curious what these legacy guys who are on the line with us think, you know, Big Rob, if if you had the USFL recruit you or the, you know the guy next to you or your your quarterback Corey well, when you I guys were playing like we were together, sad. how would you have felt about that? I'd be looking around. I mean, nah, man, they ain't calling. Where's Manti? No, that, that, by the way, but anyway, but, but to answer your question, I think. Oh. You know, having the having the league as a potential launch pad is going to lead to guys who might consider other avenues or may not, you know, have the chance to go to a junior college to get their grades up or you know, there's there's there, there's a there's over hundreds of stories from the from the history of this league all the way back why really really high level talented guys just didn't get their shot in the normal traditional path of football. But as I don't know if you guys are aware of, you know, some of the trends that happen at the lowest levels in the pop Warner and the youth football, you know, as, as popular as the, as the pro sports are, the pipeline is actually starting to dwindle and shrink because of all those moms that saw that concussion movie with Will Smith in it. Um, so, so th- th- there's this different path that is beginning to form and talent evaluators are going to have to look a lot harder than just, hey, what's the SEC got for me? Because eventually what's going to happen with, I think, the NIL little, you know, contracts is that different sections of college football are going to become their own little you know, developmental pro leagues. And if that starts to happen, things like the A7FL that find themselves in a nice niche, guys like Curtis Pac-Man Jones, guys like Trey Robinson, you know, they'll get workouts because speed translates. And if you're tough enough to, to play a skill position in this league, run full speed with no pads and, and, and some of the hits that you see, even from the Vegas uh, tape that I saw, you know, you're, you're on the right track. And, and you can ask Big Rob uh, guys, um, Derek Casey, because he played. Now I played against him, and I'll tell you the stats of that game. And you know, just to keep it Corey Hammond, but Big Rob played with a running back named Daryl Burgess, and Burgess has gotten shots with the XFL, USFL, Arena One, Arena Two. He's gotten uh, NFL Combine, you know, invites and and free agent rookie signings to go to camp for a couple of days. We've had uh, uh, from the U, Joel Jumpman Rivera is a, a University of Monmouth grad. He was on the Jets practice squad. So it's not unheard of. And there's also guys that go the other route. And maybe their future isn't being a professional football player for the rest of their life. But if you get to put some tape out there and a college is interested in kind of bringing you on, then guess what? You're going to get a potential education from this this launch pad. So I think with what is happening in the buzz of a league, which is only going to lead to the league's growth, I think in the short term, in the interim, giving these guys opportunities to see if they can, you know, crack it 
is 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 just what we do all this for. You know, you know, me, Matt, and and Derek were talking about something completely uh, unrelated. It was more of a a human interest story. But like the reason we do this as much as we do and spend as much time and dedication is is so this the league can grow and it can be something for people, not just an advent, you know, an outlet for you know to get all the you know the the rage of you know you know <laughs> inflation i guess is is the current thing to say but you know get that thing out in 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 a you know comfortable you know safe setting because our league is also safer but also to get actually something you know to better people's lives with this league it, it, that's starting to happen and it feels really good to be a part of it And you, you said it all, but and I'm glad you mentioned the safer part. That is the conversation I find myself having the most with fans when I'm in the stands uh, and people when I'm talking about the league and people see it. You know, when we had our watch party, uh, people, you know, people who had no idea about the league and what we were doing there were sitting around watching it and they were absolutely fascinated. And they, of course, pulled me aside and started asking questions like, isn't that dangerous? I'm like, it's actually way safer than the NFL. I, I, from by by what I've seen, I said, and at our GDFL ex- exhibition game that we had this weekend, I don't want to sideline the story and go there yet, but we had, you know, we played two full quarters of football, right? And the team played four quarters of football and padded 11, man. That's what the event was. In our two full quarters of football, we had zero injuries. In their four full quarters of football, they had an injury about every four minutes and a stoppage throughout the entire game. There's something about the way we play our game and the the rules that Ryan put in place that legislate throwing your body at a man uh, out of the game and form tackling, rap tackling being encouraged so much that it is uh, like it jumps off the page safer once you actually watch a whole game and you don't just look at it. Derek, I was, thank you. I was just getting ready to say that exact same thing there. You know, when you hear it and I heard, I heard seven on seven semi-pro no pads, no helmets, you know, and I'm like, what in the hell is this? What are these people thinking? And then I actually got to come out and call a game with Derek Duncan alongside me and sit there and see the game. And I'm like, this is so much safer because because there are no pads and helmets, these guys have to tackle safer or they know they're going to hurt themselves. So that makes them take more caution and be better, I guess, better formed in how they tackle and make sure that they're always tackling properly and not just trying to go after the biggest hit to lay somebody out. Yeah. Casey, if you remember the first guy that tried to put his head in a tackle, took a knee to the head and was out for about two minutes and in and, and our first game in Vegas and Absolutely, it never happened. Yeah. Never happened yeah. again. Yep. Never happened again. Nobody ever tried to launch their body the rest of the season. Nobody even tried to make a, you know, a big hit like that to try to make a show off type of hit. Like they just, they, they wrapped up and they played it. They saw the consequences and seeing them consequences made them not want to do it again. <laughs> So, so to not jump off the conversation fully about the recruitment, I want to get Rob's take. And uh, being a trench guy, trench mob, what's up, Rob? I was a D lineman myself for a while. Did Rob drop off? No, I'm here. Can you repeat that? It was it was actually pretty loud here. Oh, my bad. So, uh, the the question about your feelings on us currently being almost a farm system for uh, CFL, USFL, XFL, and and what it means to our league, good or bad. What's your thought and take on that? 
honestly, I kind of always looked at A7 that way, even when it was Town Beef. Um, the guys I played with way back then, they were coming from other leagues. Um, uh, a guy we played with, everybody knows him as the Smoke, Patrick Colburn. He had, he was in the CFL for a while. Last year in 2021 against BIC, we were I was actually lined up against a former NFL player. So it's not really – it's not a surprise for me. It's actually it's, – it's like, hey, it's about damn time. People have noticed that the guys that play at this level are good. And, yes, it's way safer – as a as an offensive lineman, like as a guy who's played offensive line most of his life, I can honestly tell you that more, the most injuries I've ever had in my entire career have come from when I put pads on. A guy who was five foot four took his helmet and buried it in my sternum. He can't do that in the A seven FL. You got to actually be strong and use technique to to you know outmaneuver a guy my size. So. Again, I, I think it's a great look. I also think one aspect that we're not talking about at all is the social media presence and how these guys can actually find a way. A guy like Kaysan Campbell, who who's getting recognized from multiple YouTube videos of him dominating people in A7 and then going in a destroying video and, and putting routes on people, guys are actually recognizing him on a lot of levels. So it's not even a surprise that he's one of those guys that got noticed immediately. So I, I do think it's a good look for the league overall. But and I and I need that clip with the destroying thing. The, the destroying thing is something I've been watching quite some time. And Corey, you touched on it, the NIL thing, right? Destroying story. His backstory is what the NIL was born around. That dude got kicked out of school because his YouTube videos were making more, were making so much money. They they made him stop to keep playing football. And he said, you know what? I'm actually going to take my career on with this YouTube thing and look at him now. He's making way more money than he ever would have made as a cooker, as a kicker anywhere, right? Bet on himself, and then the NFL still pays the man. So he still ended up making it somehow, some way to work with the NFL. He brought Michael Vick out to Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, and he had um, Eli Manning in New York. So it's like following following your own path sometimes is, is probably the best thing you could do for yourself. And again, this man was going to be a kicker. And, and a kicker probably most people wouldn't know only because he, hey, he's a black kicker. Everybody knows there's not that many of those guys. So, yeah, he probably would have been popular on that front. But the fame and, and, the, and the notoriety that he's amassed doing his social media and now you get to work with guys that you grew up watching, I think he did the right thing. And and, let's and stay on brand. Just, this you know, everybody should just follow their path. Podcast. When Destro is and- out there – I think I think your guys your guy uh, Pac Man was in the video burning some people, wasn't he? I seen it. I seen it on Twitter. So I, you know, I haven't seen it. I didn't even know he came. You didn't break news. I'm literally the one that clipped it because I happened to be watching it when I um I was texting Matt about reaching out to this point, and I happened to be watching it. It said Vegas, and I was like, oh. Okay, let's just check out what Vegas got, right? This is around the time, you know, the force and BIC had their thing going. And then I literally seen Pac, and I'm like, there's no way that's him. There's no way that's Curtis Stone. And I'm like, so I so I screen recorded, and then I posted. I'm like, yo, does this guy look familiar? And I tagged him, and that's how everybody was able to see it was him. But, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few guys that we recognize out there at these events. And, and that – so that, that's the big problem that I'm having with Vegas right now, right? Well, not right now. I was having before. 
I wasn't as fully connected to everybody in town as I needed to be. I had pulled myself away from the football scene for quite some time and was just slowly starting to get back into it when this A7 opportunity came about. And thank God I had started getting back into it, or I don't know how this thing would have came out for me. But had I stayed consistent throughout the whole time, man, we probably would have leapfrogged and well, been in even better position there, as far as you, total teams in last season. But I, mean, I reached out to out in there in Vegas and the way you found football again was Facebook at 3 a.m. So what was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, so so what actually happened? So at uh, 36, right, okay. I, I, I hung it up because I got super involved with the Elks Lodge here in town. I and actually got was great. Yeah, I got right? in the officer chairs. It was a four year deal. I became the exalted ruler here. The, the food was too good. I was 297 pounds when I finished. So the, naturally, I wanted to start working out again to get myself back in shape. And with that, other people that I was hanging around with, like, yo, dude, you look you look like you're ready to play ball again. Why don't you come out? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done with that. And then I hosted an event at the Elks Lodge trying to do some football things because my kid brother didn't get a look, didn't get invited to, uh, uh, didn't get an uh, offer at all for college. And he's a six foot five, 265, runs a four five forty type kid and i'm like this ain't right so i'm like how do we get people to come to vegas and look at stuff so i put together this whole uh uh meeting of the minds of all the stakeholders in vegas that i could get in contact with and brought them all to the elks lodge said look let's do a high school combine invite college coaches in let everybody get a chance to see our guys in vegas or at least see tape on them so we can get the word out and get some of these guys some looks and, you know, some other guy took off and ran with the idea. It lasted one year, and that was the end of it. But through that, I met uh, the coaches and players of the the force and the Insomniacs, and they invited me out to try out for the Las Vegas Lions. I won the starting job, yeah, hurt, my, yeah, yeah. hurt my neck again, and gotcha. then retired. Well, blah, blah, blah. Hey, so that's the how the football came back. could have distracted you. I so, mean, it's not the maybe the best one, but it's not the worst by far, Derek. So we're glad to have you back in the football swing of things. Yeah, community service is a good way to, throw, to hang them so, up, right? I, I <laughs> think thank that, you for saying so. You know, I'm I'm really excited because I I know you brought us on here to kind of give us our you know comeuppance for you know maybe neglecting you guys just to touch. But since I got Rob here and you know Matt has got a keen eye, I was wondering if you guys were interested to hear maybe some of our takes on what we see from your guys' film and maybe you know as we have been through the early toddler, you know, pubescent and now adult version of the A7FL, we can kind of tell you, you know, what we see and, and maybe, you know, where the next steps you guys as, as a, a, a full division could take to, to kind of, you know, even the, even the disparity, which isn't that big to be fair, but. Uh... Right. It, it... Am I interested? I, Corey, I got a little bit of tear, I a small a tear in my eye because you actually care. Like, <laughs> the whole reason, the whole reason <laughs> we right? decided to do this podcast because we didn't think you guys gave a shit, to be honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I literally, like me and Derek were sitting there talking, and I was like, look, I'm sitting here listening to this A7LFL podcast. They're not showing us any love. Like, we need we need to do something here. And Derek was totally well, like, I yeah, mean, I totally agree. To the podcast like, so, and, and Matt and Rob could back me up on this i don't think everybody's getting love as much as everybody's getting hate <laughs> yeah i like to, to speak candidly because i have out of everybody here the roughest job 
in the fact that I have to call all the games of the week as the play-by-play announcer. And that means that I have to be unbiased. I can't play favorites. I don't have a team that I specifically root for in every game. I have to act like a robot, despite the fact that Corey is my broadcast colleague and I consider him a friend. Uh, You have that when he's in his games, but... Also, I know guys on the BIC. I know the U. I know all these teams. I have. I work with the, several of the divisions, so it's hard for me to nope. like say I have a bias one way or another. Robin Corey, they're they're you're you're granted the gift of a little bias because you've played for some, most or if not a majority of the teams <laughs> well, in the New well, Jersey just, New Jersey division between the both of you. I played so the sixteen that have existed. So how about that? And and sixteen gray hairs to go with it, right, Corey? And see, Matt, no, I kinda... no, no, no. It's actually it's actually more than that because right. there's there's different itinerations of each team. I played for a team one time that was the Warriors, and they combined with a purple team, and we were the Purple City Warriors. I count that as two teams, two gray hairs. All right, that makes there sense. <laughs> Oddly, so yeah, Corey, I would absolutely love for you guys to break down what you think of, of Vegas. And again, I'm not saying that you guys either are shitting on us or, or, or giving us love. I, I was more concerned that there wasn't as much conversation about us, regard good or bad. Like there's right, uh, all right. press is good press. And there wasn't a lot of press is where we're getting at. That. Yeah. That's what I was getting ready to say. Even if everybody's getting hate, even, I mean, the West coast wasn't getting even any hate. So <laughs> it was well, all East coast most of the time. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> In multiple videos, we probably have about approximately like 9 million views on that one game that was New Jersey versus Vegas. And if we were really, if we were really the antagonists of, of this, of this narrative, we would have, as much as we propped up the BIC moves that guys were making, we would have probably been, you know, pedaled to the metal, yo, Vegas, um, and and kind of rub it in. Now we rubbed it in a little bit more with the celebration than we did with the uh, the severed um, knee ligaments. But right. I mean, I, I, you guys could have been the the you know what what you guys turned the snow tribe into. And hopefully, I will reverse that, Derek. Hopefully, you can't send any more donut uh, <laughs> now that I'm part of it. <laughs> um, I, I doubt we ever and, will and, with you being quarterback. Way, both of you guys from Vegas, you guys both already know. Um, but I think I think we could have taken that route because, you know, me, Matt, and Rob talk about it. The, the main thing is, is that when we have an opinion, we want to base it solely on our – our personal experiences, actual tangible information, and the game film to either back up the positive or negative type of, of, of vibes. So speaking of the vibe, great pants, my guy. Um, moving on. <laughs> what, what we really could speak about was the force. And, you know, there were times where on the, uh, the Twitter show before the BIC team, and when we were kind of breaking down some of the guys we took from the force in our fantasy draft, you know, we were breaking down what we knew and saw of the force. And as I looked into it, I do want to say just on the Vegas podcast, and Rob is going to be upset that I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of backpedaling here, but I'm not going to mention the other backpedal joke that I've made. 
Um, but let me just give my guy uh, Rock Briscoe a little bit of credit. Because when you face the BIC BIC defensive line, and that's something that I know a lot about, and not even this this version of it, when you face the BIC defensive line and and the entire season leading up to that, you've really faced what, you know, he was used to, which is the the California and the Vegas defensive fronts, which I'll get, uh, you know, the the thing that I mentioned before, talking about some of the things that we saw, that's, that's one of the things that I'll mention. In the film that I saw, of, of rock briscoe when he had a clean pocket he was throwing darts he was making good decisions he was leading his team to victories and as a quarterback myself i have to give respect to a guy that won his division got bread in his offensive lineman's hands and even though the team as you said was kind of run through the public uh transportation out there because gas prices are getting so high with rtc Rock was out there making just as many important plays on third down and in the fourth quarter in some of those 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 closer games. So the the main thing was is he went from basically having enough time to fall asleep in the backfield to having to deal with the BIC's rush. And I don't think anybody's prepared for that, especially if that they spent the whole season comfortable behind a pretty decent offensive line play and worrying, you know, what to do more on play action because you know, the defense is collapsing on the run because RTC is such a threat than having to win the game one-on-one coverage and you have no time to throw, which, to be honest, is uh, where I've spent my entire A7, A7 NFL career. <laughs> right. And honestly, you're absolutely right, Corey. So, and one thing that you need to give Rock credit for, he is the offensive coordinator for the force. He calls the plays. He's the one who calls RTC's number when he knows they're, he's got him in the right position for that. He's He's very good at setting up plays. There's not there's not very many wasted plays, like you said before. If he, you know, if it's a short pass for two yards, that was on purpose to to set up the next play so we can pump fake and get somebody over the top. But that only works yes. when you have time. That only works when you have time, right? So and and, and we and and so my point was is that we kind of we kind of went in and, and and discussed as much as we could about the force, but and and not to disparage Vegas or the force themselves, but what we did see is when the force faced the snow tribe and I'm a member of the snow tribe. I have high expectations for next year and maybe hint, hint, you'll see why in the coming weeks and months of why that is right guys. But anyway, um, last year's snow tribe, although they were three and four, their, their three victories were against the Covington heist, which we're, we're not a hundred percent sure what that win meant because of the same issues that we're talking about. And guess what, Vegas? We talk about you guys way more than we talk about Ohio. Um, right. And rightfully so. And, and then and then Snow Tribe beat the Animals twice. So Force came out, played in, in Jersey, which all teams have trouble with, even Maryland. Won, and they should be given credit for it. But you beat the Snow Tribe. And then when you face BIC, it, it was better than what other teams have done against BIC, to be fair. But I mean, from the rip, it was pretty. It was, it was pretty evident who the better team was, why, and I think the force. You told me, Derek, on our podcast that they were still partying. You know, is maybe why I think they were they were happy to be where they were at, and they weren't looking at the next week as the destination. Yeah, right, I'm gonna just be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be honest. Like. I, 
the reason why it's harder for me to speak on what the force needs to do to improve or anything West Coast, it's, it's more difficult for me to talk about it because I'm not very nice in how, you know, my presentation or how it comes out. So, you know, my mama said, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. And <laughs> as far as as far as the force goes, I feel like they got their flowers when they came here and beat a New Jersey team. I had a lot of crit- criticism as far as even coming out here thinking they can do that. They did it, and no one was prouder than I was. You can ask Curtis Jones. I was in his inbox. I said, bro, I'm proud of you guys. But the next thing I told him, I said, listen, enjoy your next few days, but you need to get your team in that lab because the next team you're playing is a real team. Not to say Snow Tribe isn't, but I, I haven't really I, – I used to be on a bad, a bad team when BIC wasn't good, but I was part of the reason why BIC became good. So it's harder for me to speak from – you know, a place of really being on a bad team. It's rare for me. So when I'm watching the force struggle and kind of domination no tribe, like I'm not super duper impressed. I'm, I'm happy that they beat a Jersey team. That is historic. No one from the West coast has done that. But I, once their flowers were given, the true test came when you have to deal with a, a top three team. And when they dealt with that top three team, everybody, everybody saw what happened. You know, you know, I didn't see, you know, you're giving Briscoe his fly. I didn't see him. Kirk, I seen Jones pop out a little bit. I seen RTC pop out a little bit. But for me personally, I didn't see anything. So it's like, it's like if, if the force is the best the West Coast has to offer, then there's a lot of work and a lot of recruitment that has to be done. And, and then juxtapose that. Right. And then I'm going to let you keep going, Rob. But then and then juxtapose that, guys, uh, Derek and, and Casey, put that up against what Florida did in their second year. Right. So Florida, and that and that's exactly I was going to get to. I'm happy you said my that. Bad, my, yo, I keep still. I'm, no, I'm, right. I'm, I'm in a thief. You like to talk. For it. OK, I'm used to it now. I'm used to it. But that's honestly where I was going. A guy like Mark Bagway, who I, I'm going to be honest with you, before that week against Rare Breed, I probably never said that guy's name once. But he popped out on the screen so much after one game that the league has been talking about him ever since. And and it's hard to not talk about him because we saw what he did versus, you know, we can talk about the force, but what did they do? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, a few guys popped out, but what did they really do? Well, right, and but the, the but you got to remember the force didn't get a chance to play Rare Breed or or the Gators. They they got to play BIC. And how did those other teams do against BIC? I mean, I, we get it. I, I, I'm you. You guys yes, are all absolutely right. Everything you're saying is on point, and that could take us into the next part of a podcast. But we've already been going for an hour, so I don't know if I want to get it get into the next subject and save it for another show, but. When you play the best team in the league and you're a, you're you're a expansion team, a brand new team, yeah, you Thank chances you. are you're you're, go, you. you're going to get yeah. worked, and they got worked. Yeah, they they showed up. Was, they, they they never quit. They started scoring at the end of the game when BIC right. put some of their backups in. Although their backups right. are you know some of the best players in the league as well, and I recognize that as we've said before, I'm very pragmatic in what I talk about. Absolutely. I understand that they're. They, they were not at the level of a BIC, but should they have been playing BIC in the second round of a playoff on a short week, having to travel no. across the country twice? Hell Absolutely no. fucking not. But Hell that's what no. that's what happened, and the Hell end result no. was the end result. 
like literally they the, had no the time question, to practice and or do walkthroughs for and that's a that's a great point but then the question comes was, in you guys beat snow tribe right yep. who else who else in that playoff bracket do you guys honestly think you could have given a good run to because once you make it that far which you guys did you made it there so now you're not going to play anyone that's that's not five or better anyway well, yeah, no one's going to play that's five or better so Snow yeah, Tribe, you know, they're they're kind of they can take it how they want. Listen, guys, everything I'm saying, use for fuel and motivation. Prove me wrong next season. I'm just gonna be honest. Snow Tribe is trash. Snow Tribe is trash. Hold you guys up. beat Hold listen, up. hey, Bro. hey, hey, Corey. Hold this is your chance. Corey, Corey, use that shit for motivation next season. Hey. Snow Tribe was trash. They I'm not were letting you they were de- team my team they were, on their they were, podcast, though. They were a developmental team, I guess, just like you guys were. It's their first season. All together as a team, a lot of new players, a lot of new this. You guys beat them in Jersey again. The flowers were given. Shouts out to the Vegas Force. Nobody was a bigger fan than I was that week. After that, you guys are in the big leagues. Yes, you guys are going against BIC, but no other team. You guys would have faced a rare breed. It probably would have been bad. You, you guys would have faced um Mark Bagway and those guys. It probably would have been bad. But you probably would have been bad. BIC might have been the nicest team you could have faced. The Gators... Not having a quarterback, maybe you guys had the a renegades. They would have beat. They would have beat the renegades. They would, you guys would have beat the renegades. You're saying that because you're a hater. It'd have been a, the best game for you guys. Would have been renegades versus the force. That's the game I want to watch. I want to watch renegades versus the force. I don't like. I don't like the renegades quarterback whatsoever, and I think the force has a good receiving core and a good enough running back to actually test the D-line of the Renegades. Rob, any- I, I want to shoot him some bail because I think that they could beat the Gators. And no, here's why. That's, Here, that's here's okay. why. That's okay, but no. Here's why. You're going to make all- the Gators kill people next season. For <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying to get them hyped up because Listen, the pro- we, we I'm, went I'm into it. We went into it. it. We went into it in the podcast this week. The Gators have a litany of tools on offense and on defense. Their defense is second to none. But they're not better than the BIC's defense. They don't have Verardi. They don't have Master Chief. They don't have a lot of those key pieces. And that's not a slight on Nick Mays. That's not a slight on Snag Sosa, anybody on that Gators defense, because they're killers out there. They're the second best defense in the A7FL. If the Force were able to put points on the board against the first line and second line of the BIC's defense, I see that as an advantage and a positive. On the offensive side, it's more of a fair fight because Rock Briscoe is a great game manager, but he has to go up against the same kind of defensive pressure, if not a little different than what he faced against the BIC. And if he was able to score two or, you know, two more times, I think that the Gators' liabilities on offense behind center and that offensive line, because they did give up a few sacks throughout those games. When you look at it like that, you're basically constituting a situation where the force have a a real compelling shot. Am I saying they're going to blow them out 80 to nothing? No, they're not going to do that. But I think it would be a 24-21 game, maybe 27-24. It would be close. It would be contentious. And it would come down to the last two minutes because I I think that the force, and I can't speak to the other teams in the Vegas division, have the best shot of making the final four out of any non-Maryland, New Jersey, or Florida team. I really think that we're going to see the rare breed, the BIC, maybe, you know, the. I would think if the if, if Bagway stays with the Nightcrawlers, the Nightcrawlers are going to be at the third spot. 
And then the force, I can see that being the final four. But with with CP3, it could be the Gators or the rare breed. But I do think that we're going to have four different divisions in the final four when we get to the national playoffs in July. Well, and and I think I think this conversation is actually interesting to to, to kind of see where, you know, if we were doing an AP postseason top 10 in the A7FL, where we would probably rank the force. And it sounds like somewhere around six or seven. And to be fair, that's really high. Um, if you were to ask us where Florida and California ranked in their inaugural seasons, it would be in the 30s because we saw them get so badly embarrassed in their inaugural season against the top competition. You know, the force were a little bit more representative than both of those teams were, right? I would say. Yeah. And I, but I, think, and I'm a, I think I think this I'm, is an interesting thing, Derek, because, you know, on this podcast and, you know, A7FL podcasts do – out some of the greatest human beings on the face of this planet i would say and obviously excluding myself because when when matt asks for people to not be an asshole all i can give him is that i will try and it doesn't usually work <laughs> well i mean so, so, so i had a question go ahead, go ahead casey because you well, haven't had a chance um, to talk because but, um here hold in... on hold on because I, I got a proposition for my guy and you you might be able to make this happen derek i know for a fact that i can't but uh, somebody uh, that has to do with Snow Tribe, um, you know, apparently is in the NFL. So maybe that could be, you know, discussed. But I think it would be really interesting because of this rivalry that's hypothetically brewing. If we could somehow figure out a way to get this Snow Tribe team uh, a second chance at the force and maybe make it a little bit fairer for the force because they had to come out here. Because now that I'm a member of the Snow Tribe and we, we're talking about it, Derek, I think there's no better way to tie A7FL New Jersey to Vegas than to have the the you already snowball number two and have you, Derek, Matt, and Rob flying out to Vegas two weeks early, get real, real, real prepped for this game. Who do we got to talk to? What do you think? Let's go. I would love it. I, honestly, I'd love it. Let, let me just say, I, I take full blame for the Snow Tribe not coming to Vegas in the first place. That, that was on the table. It was going to happen. But the only way Vegas was going to get on the game of the week is if we flew to New York or to New Jersey. Excuse me. I, no, I'll never make that mistake again, my bad. And so as far as league exposure, as far, as far as growing our league, as far as growing our division, I couldn't in good conscience have them come to Vegas and not be on TV. So I had to say yes to coming there to grow the brand. And it worked out well for game one. It sucked ass for game two because the amount of prep that we got to do was just awful in the back-to-back week. So let me, before I finish, in case you, I'll give you, give you your moment. I am disappointed the way the playoff structure was done. If the Snow Tribe oh, was, tra- was trash and the hit squad had one win, why are they in a playoff? Like, what did that do for anybody except for give us an opportunity to win a game in, in New Jersey that shouldn't have probably been played against a team that Rob says is trash. So, so with that, I'll, I'll, let you I'll speak to this real quick. And then Casey's the host of the show. I'll punch out. But I've been looking at what 2023 might look like because, as some people know, I'm the producer of the games of the week. So I have some insight into the structure for next year and trying to put together the best possible package for a, for us as a league. And just to add my notes and try to build the best possible broadcasts 
for for all of us to grow the brand and to grow the league. And my dog is annoyed because she really wants to see the Schnow try play the force in Vegas. <laughs> but I do know that there's going to be some format changes or some format codifications to ensure that the playoffs in 2023 are a much smoother process. And Matt, that Snow Tribe will get a chance to A, play the force and get a rematch, and B, I get a chance to visit the beautiful state of, so I don't screw it up? Nevada. 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 Exactly. Nevada. So when you, said, when you said New York instead of New Jersey, I was going to say Nevada, Nevada, but <laughs> I can't wait for the A7FL to get the Snow Tribe over to Nevada because that dry heat I hear um, – is conducive to the air attack because you already snow. Uh, you want nothing to do with the heat. Make sure you wear a white jersey. I'm yeah, just telling you now. Yeah, I'm going to be wearing a Panama don't make, don't make the same mistake that the Santa Monica vibe made and show up in all black. You will regret it. I will it. never, I, I, I will never, ever again, Casey, fashion-wise, be compared to the Santa Monica vibe in the history of my life. But you we have similar fashion the sense. The pace of the league is no longer the Santa Monica vibe, <laughs> but we cannot ever forget the pants of the league. My was guy. That, was that Rosario? Listen, listen, I don't usually do this, but if you guys can get in touch with my guy, get him on the podcast and ask him what was up with the pants, I think we would all want to know. That's that's probably the third most important question in this a7 fell off season guys so you're talking about yeah. the football pants Corey, or the what, what look like football pants is, is that the like, reference they look more like cc sabathia's baseball pants to be okay <laughs> it could have been and, and, <laughs> and if we were talking you know early 2000s basketball player look walking around with the with the sag in the bag you know in the in the 4x shirt you know that that was in style at one point in our lives uh for most of us um, there might be some 16-year-olds listening that they have no idea what we're talking about. But uh, for 2022 to, 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 to be on video on camera wearing those pants. I hope you get to play the I hope you get to play the vibe. We got to tell our guy to don't press record. I, got, I think we got a two-week West Coast trip for the Snow Tribe coming. So <laughs> get, game one in Vegas, I, game two we, in Santa Monica. <laughs> Me, me, and, me and my podcast were talking about how many wins the Snow Tribe are getting. If you're putting the force and, and the Santa Monica vibe on there, just give us a couple of a, a West Coast buys. We'll be enjoying the weather. West Coast buys. I love it. I can, mm -hmm. but, hey, Matt, Mark, Matt, vibes. I meant vibes. No, I, Matt, Mark that. <laughs> That's going to need to get played back next season uh, for sure. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> talking about those CVS receipts. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the question, I, at least I'm talking to trash and I go on the field. That's all else. Uh, exactly. So, Casey, yeah. give it to us, buddy. The question I was going to ask when we were talking about the BIC game and the Force game, what is the – I mean, do you feel like what happened to the Force happened to the Force because they were just totally out-athleticized and out-talented? Or do you feel like some of that was because BIC has been in the league – for some years now and it was the forces first year so they were still kind of trying to learn and going up against that powerhouse of a team they got dealt with what they got dealt i would say i would say all the things you said right well let's do the socratic method a little bit guys because you guys probably more than anybody even listening potentially because you guys were the ones calling the games that were filmed you've seen a lot of these teams and you kind of witnessed 
you know, what these teams went through in the evolution of understanding how to uh, convert 11 on 11 to 7 on 7, right? And and you guys would speak to this more. So I'm just going to ask you guys questions and you answer me and then we'll start to work towards the answer to the to, to KC's question because it is a good question. The first thing I'll ask is, had 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 Rock Briscoe ever faced a pass rush that is even half as sudden, urgent, athletic, and aggressively huge as BIC's pass rush? Uh, not in A seven NFL. Not in the A seven NFL. Absolutely no. not in the A seven NFL. Because what I saw from the Vegas film is I saw a lot of guys lining up in what I would what I would consider more of a flag style pass rush. Where guys are, Absolutely. guys are running, running, and and trying to get around that corner without contact, opening up that huge climb in the pocket hole, and you could speak to this. One of the games I was watching, Trey Robinson, the the, the quarterback for the Pit Bosses, I'm pretty sure they were playing the Insomniacs. They were the the Pit Bosses were at the like 20 yard line. I think it was in the second or third quarter, and the defense that was called was a cover seven. In the <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You saw it. You can't deny it. We all yeah. know that it happened because it's on film. <laughs> right. Now, yeah, now, right. Now, 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 I could be, I could be a stereotypical New Jersey guy with an accent. You guys watch Sopranos and the Turnpike and all that shit. But I'm not going to do that because we could talk about the personality differences between the East Coast, West Coast, and that really doesn't matter. Let's just talk about football. What I saw is the level of tenacity and aggression from the defensive line was akin to, you know, a surfer paddling out in the morning before he really woke up because he had a late night party the night before. So I don't know if that's as good of a, <laughs> a, a metaphor as you're going to get. I saw, a lot of dudes, I saw a lot of dudes rushing the passer with the intent to make it look like to the rest of their defense that they put an effort in. And I'm, and it's it's not to trash anybody. I think it's just obviously it's a, it's a difference of, it's a difference of the the level of the dedication to this craft. Because as the A seven grows in Nevada, did I say it right or I screwed it up? Nah, ha- I, halfway. I you were like in the middle. You were like Nevada. <laughs> yeah, I, I always wait for Matt to say it to be honest because I don't want to be wrong. But I'm okay. wrong all the time. That's why it makes this fun. Hold on, I got you, Nevada. Perfect. Whenever I say that, I'm gonna just pause and just put in put in the the, the names the the state's name. Sorry, just go. Ah, you got it, bro. <laughs> so when you guys <laughs> when you guys start to get guys dedicated to the craft of A7 and realize the differences in the angles and then the pursuits and the, and the physicality up front, because on offense you guys got it. On defense, I don't think anyone had shown the force, the type of pass rush that BIC brought and. I Absolutely not. Time, I've played a long time in this league. I know for a hundred percent fact that any quarterback, including Tom Brady, who some consider the greatest that ever walked this planet, when you get pressure on them consistently, they're not the same human being. So I wanted to clarify earlier that Rock Briscoe deserves some credit because he's going to be always remembered in the 2022 season for what he looked like against the BSC pass rush. But to be fair, his offensive linemen were completely out of out of their element trying to block guys like Berardi, which oh, yeah, they never they had never faced that before. They were they weren't ready for it. Just to reiterate, there's there's three. I think there's is there four three or four more Berardis? 
three, I think, isn't it? It's too many. It's too many. Too many. Yeah, too many. Well, let's well let's not forget <laughs> so, so every, every Manning didn't make the NFL either. So just because his last name is there doesn't mean he's got the same talent. Yeah, but Coop, Coop's son is Arch Manning, and he might be the best. Maybe I don't know. You've seen that rollout pass, anyway. Yeah. So to answer Casey's question, just to, just in respect to the defensive pass rush, that's just one thing. The other thing that I noticed that is happening in Vegas football is the urgency and the timing of plays is more reminiscent to 11 on 11. And the best example I can give is I saw a jet action where a guy's coming in motion, they fake the jet, and they throw the rocket screen to, to the side that the jet vacated. So imagine the twins left, the slot goes in motion, fake jet, quick screen to the left. Now in the A7FL, the field's shorter by about 20-ish yards. I'm not a mathematician, I'm not doing that right now. But because it's shorter, the urgency on plays like that, it, it ups the tempo. So for you guys out there in the West Coast, just chilling, you know, hanging, there's a, there's a famous song about relaxing all cool, you know, from a guy from the East Coast going out there. And, 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 and that's the kind of vibe that I got, not to mention Santa Monica again. That's the kind of vibe that I got on some of these plays that when you guys adjust to the tempo and, and rhythm and urgency that the A7FL has become in, in the world of football. It, it's just that half second, half tick faster on routes, half tick faster on, on, on uh, play actions and quick screens and, you know, mesh points. When you guys start to get those types of things, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see the guys like Trey Robinson and Pac-Man Jones able to uh, shine. But when you guys face BIC without ever facing just the pass rush, let's not even mention the fact that I don't think even as good as RTC is, I don't think anybody in the, in Vegas has ever tackled a guy like Courage before. So when you just put it like that, once those guys start to understand more of the nuances, you guys are going to be able to, to, to shorten, to close that gap. And there is a gap right now, but look at what Florida did in one year after getting their A team comes up to New Jersey, loses 80 nothing. They come back the next year, and if it wasn't for, you know, stupid antics they would have been in the final four and have beaten a maryland team that was the their division leader yeah i i agree with everything you said Corey. i mean to to be frank all of these guys came from a padded game or flag and the comparisons you drew are absolutely fair there's no 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 bones about it the, the their level of a their level of aggression at the line did not match BIC's level of aggression at the line. Their their want to initiate contact was not there like it was with BIC. Like BIC's want to want to initiate contact, they weren't ready for that. And when we got when they did start to see what was happening and what they were going to need to do, it was already too late. Right? They they were hanging in there the first quarter, second quarter it got completely out of hand tried to readjust at the half and some things got better, but at that point weren't prepared for the, the special teams. Like there's so many facets of the game that they got their ass whooped at that they, they knew it when all was said and done. Like, like, okay, we, we got our ass handed to us and we understand we weren't at the level that they were at, but that will never happen to us again is, is what I heard from every man on that plane going home. Oh, I like oh, that. Energy. I, I love that energy to say, That'll never happen again. I think the best thing that can happen to any West Coast team 
any Florida division team, any team that's not in Baltimore, New Jersey, is to have regular season games next season where they actually face, you know, Florida, Baltimore, and New Jersey. Because then, like, you got the force who felt it, right? But the rest of your league doesn't know what that feels like. The force are going to go out there next season and probably dominate, but then everyone else is not going to understand, wait, why are they playing like this? It's going to take some time, and that's probably – it's going to take some time. It's going to take some talent and some some awareness from the players to understand that there's a different level of this that's being played in the other divisions. And a few guys are close, like um, the gentleman from um, from the Covington High, Seth Chambers. Seth Chambers plays the New Jersey, the Baltimore style of A7. And the quicker your the West Coast guys realize that this is not flag or this is not a game, these dudes are actually out here killing people. Like, they're, they're hurting people. Not physically, but people are getting hit. And I'm pretty sure you guys know that. You had the big Samoan guy lay out um, what's the name from Snow Tribe. That was that was very that was a viral clip from you guys. Right. He, he laid him out great. completely. So so I can't even sit here and act like you guys don't know what contact is or you guys don't shout know what Shout out to Charlie Steven. Yeah, yeah, shout out to that man. He, he put Charlie Steven hit him and said... You're welcome. That was the funniest call on the show ever. I got to be was, honest. That was nasty. Listen, that was nasty. That was like, that was such a joy to watch. You, you sounded like you were going to say something else, Rob. We're all, we were all just sitting there. My bad. No, no. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm his sorry. Beard, I'm sorry. His beard sometimes presses the mute on him. He He's funny as well. Right. No, I'm saying that was a joy to watch, but that told me that the Vegas guys has have what it takes to play against the New Jersey guys, the, the mid-tier to almost top of the mid-tier New Jersey guys. But once they got a taste of what BIC can do, you play BIC. But now when you play the U, that's a new that's a new style of play that you have to deal with. When you play Rare Breed, it's going to be new. When you play the Gators, it's going to be new. It, it's going to be new every time you play those guys until you play those guys enough to fully understand what this this whole thing is about as a whole. So, I mean, I, I really hope the, the West Coast guys are listening to what I'm saying and catching the little nuggets that I'm dropping. Like, it, it's, it's deeper than just not being mentioned. It's deeper than not being exposed. You guys have to, sh- you guys have to show something. That's, that silver hit is pretty much the only thing the force – well, the West Coast has shown, besides the guy with the pants. And he, he was bold as hell. He said they were the face of the league, and we, haven't, we didn't see him do anything. We didn't see anything. And, and coming as a former player, like literally one year removed, the players on on that level don't respect any of that. We just laugh at it because it's like, oh, it sounds good till you play. You know, it sounds good till you actually have to make that trip or even if we make that trip. So I'm just hoping the West Coast guys really get it in the back of their heads that it's not it's not as gentle. It's not as easy as it looks. And Keith Salmon said it um, on our last part, not the last one we just dropped, but the one before he said it. You guys watch it on YouTube. You see it on social media. and You think it's easy to just come out there and play that style of football, but it's not. And I, I really hope people understand that now. Yeah, I know I do. Like watching oh, yeah, it absolutely. from the sideline and seeing it live and watching the level of aggression and athleticism across the board, the strength in the legs, the strengths in the tries and how guys were, you know, 
punching their way to get to where they needed to go. Yeah, that's just not something that Vegas was prepared for. And now that they've seen it, now that they have experienced it and felt it, they are in the lab. These guys are, I mean, you should see these Absolutely. chats they got going. I'm, I'm attached to every one of them. They're, they're in the gym. They understand they can't roll off the couch and go play a game and compete at that level. They can't they can in Vegas. They, they can't in New Jersey. They can't in Baltimore. No, yeah. no absolutely not. And I think, I think what I would like, moving kind of into that, what I would like to see more, kind of on what Rob was saying, I would like to see more of that kind of intra-league play where, or intra-division play where, you know, maybe a Florida team comes and plays a team in Vegas or they meet somewhere in the middle at a neutral field. Uh, you know, not, they not that Florida. Out. You, all, and, you already know. Well, <laughs> well, or or any of Maryland, Baltimore, New Jersey, Ohio, you know, these leagues, these divisions playing each other as well as their own teams in their division so that there's a better sample of what is out there in the way of teams in the A7FL. Well, and and since you guys brought it up, I'll give you some a little bit of insider information. We have built into the schedule so far this year the opportunity for what we're calling two crossover games. So the league is trying to make sure that all these expansion leagues have at least four teams in their division so they can play interdivision seven games without having to travel. And then there's two weeks in there that are made specifically for interdivision. So the, the the table is set after this podcast. Maybe, you know, Schnoe Tribe to Vegas is going to happen. And maybe, you know, Vegas to to Tampa Bay Mount Crawlers is going to happen. Who, who knows? But to, to your point, I would personally love to see Vegas teams go up against Jersey and Baltimore just because I want to, them to experience that level of play so that when they do get to the playoffs, it's not a surprise. Absolutely. That was where I was going with it. Thank you, Derek. I, I have a weird contrarian opinion, despite the fact that I agree. Um, I was listening to Countdown with Keith Olbermann last week, and he was talking about when the American League and the National League were two distinctly separate leagues. Next year, they're actually going to be playing the almost a all, playing every team. The National League and the American League will play against each other, I think, for like 40 games, which is an insane amount. To me, as someone who loves the idea of rivalry, I've always compared sports fandom to religious idolatry. And my dog doesn't Absolutely. agree. But when you take a look at the fact that you can build these rivalries in Nevada, look at what look at college as a thesis case, as a as a use case. The SEC playing those early non-conference games, especially when you're talking about basketball, football is a more truncated schedule. But when you're able to play in your division and fuel those rivalries and allow you to build up a love and a passion for your distinct team, then you can go out there. You beat your whole division. You ran the Mortal Kombat ladder of your division. Now you're able to go out into the world and play other challengers. I think building to that and having those one or two, I would love to see two cross-division games a season, uh, not only because it'll create some great conversation for us on games of the week, it creates more variety, but it also showcases the different styles. Because I think much like college football, we are seeing drastically different styles of football being played across the division. And I think that is because of 
A lot of these guys playing their high school and college ball in that state, a lot of them growing up in those states, and it being like Bonanza High School or Ramapo High School. They, they're in two completely different parts of the world, so obviously they run two completely types of offenses and defenses. The philosophies are different. The way they get there is different. For me, in the long run, I think the most important thing for the A7FL is that players have the opportunity to play in other divisions as members of that team. We, we, we're seeing it now with Corey Price, who's going to the Baltimore Gators. He broke that news on the latest edition of the three-on-one podcast. And I would love to see, we, we've heard rumors about Mark Bagway going to New Jersey. We've heard some interesting things back and forth. I feel like the first division to really grab some smart New Jersey veterans and get uh, surround them with the level of high-level talent you see in Florida, you see in Ohio, and obviously you see in Nevada. The more opportunities for that, for cross-pollinization, the easier it is for an Ohio to be competitive, for a Boston to be competitive, and for a Nevada to be competitive. Absolutely. I agree with that, but Matt, you and I have had this conversation. I personally love the tribalism of... Nevada or Nevada or Vegas versus everyone, right? So absolutely, bring, bringing someone in from an outside to elevate our game, yeah, that's great. But you know what happens when, let's say the force, let's say the force had a coup and just happened to pull Sterry, right? He shows up to Vegas, the on the force, they go win a chip. What's the narrative going to be? That's Kevin Durant, right? I mean, you yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was Why be, does that oh, matter? won that shit. That's not, Kevin, won that. that's not Kevin Durant mm-hmm. as much as it would be more like the original LeBron James. Yeah, I would and, say it, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not yes, famous. you're right, Corey. You're actually right. Yeah, you're right. It's not RTC going to BIC. I think if Sterry were to go into a separate division and win a championship, it would be more of a statement of who Sterry is. And I don't exactly. Know and That's I don't exactly the point. If, yeah, and, and I don't know if that would necessarily be a bad look for Vegas because guess what would happen if the Vegas Force with the returning MVP or let's say a, a Vegas team with a caliber quarterback with name recognition like that? You know, what's that going to bring to not only the rest of the players on his team that he's elevating their play, but also the teams that play against him? They're, it's just going to bring more attention. And I'm not necessarily saying that I'm a proponent to Vegas going out and necessarily getting, you know, one of the big, you know, like like a big game hunter, you know, taking out, uh, you know, one of the fucking Lions, excuse my language, uh, one of the Lions of the A7FL. But I will say that I'm just going to make the very quick point is that, Derek, if I see another one of your offenses run a two-man offensive line, them open up like they're going to just let the guy run by them on the outside, and the quarterback roll out of that invisible pocket, which doesn't exist to begin with, I might pull all of the, the 375 gray hairs from my head for all of the teams that I've been cutting the A7FL. Because Corey, I, there wouldn't be enough time for you to pull all them gray hairs. <laughs> trust me, with the amount of two-men line, let, let, me just, let me just run this just math equation by you and see what you guys say. On on it felt like 60% of snaps and again like i said i'm not a mathematician but just my feel of it on 60% of snaps 
quarterbacks were lining up with only two offensive linemen, four wide receivers, and each one of those four wide receivers was running a 15-yard route, sometimes even double move, double breaking routes, guys all standing in the same section of, of the field. And whoever the quarterback was is either facing A, the, the seven coverage that we saw from the Insomniacs where it's no pass rush and he's just standing back there, which looked to me like a, like a dream that I had that I knew was fake and I had to wake up immediately. Or he's got that extra free rusher because you only have two offensive linemen, free guys coming free. And I, on all of those snaps, Derek, go watch the film. If they have three linemen to the two blockers, two guys broke free. One guy got past one of the blocking guys that just whiffed, and one was a free rusher. So it's literally impossible to run offense like that, especially when you guys go to the next level. But to piggyback on what Matt was saying, I think just more for the intrigue of the league, because when we talked about earlier that list that the GDFL is doing, one of the signs of a big boy professional league is the distancing from the tribalism. And if we had a big time move that connected the coasts, in my opinion, which is what it's worth, you know, probably what my jersey's worth with just two CCs and a bite of a bodega sandwich, right? But my my opinion, a good is bodega sandwich, <laughs> the, half of it or just a bite? Uh, well, I would say half. You know, I I, I take big bites. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're out here in the West. What the hell's a CC? It's the it little, is um it's the, little, it's the little plastic little jugs that you get from the bodegas. You guys don't have bodegas and CCs. It's the juice that's like it's like nine hundred grams of sugar and the, the little like the little thousand. barrel that you pull the uh, aluminum off the top of. That's not it. It's actually those are the jugs. The CC it, sodas it's are the, the C and C soda. They're like yeah. the cheap fifty cent sodas. Back in the day, they were fifty cent, but now they're like seventy five or a dollar now or something because of inflation, but they're like the, the cheapest sodas you can get at a corner store. You know, you I'll just brought that. up some, you just brought up some stuff. I got to give Philly specifically props for their corner stores and what I guess are bodegas. We found the greatest snacks around where we stayed for our first week out there. There was nice. two, two nice. corner stores within walking distance from us and they had like 25 cent bags of chips, bro. We were in well, heaven. Yeah, welcome to the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. my God. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. We had to show them, if we show them Wawa, they might explode. They might lose their mind if we show them Wawa, but you know, I, I, I'm here for that. But I'm here for that. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest though. I kind of don't agree with Matt or Corey, and this is probably a first for for the biggest spot. No. Congrats. I probably don't agree with Matt or Corey at all. I don't personally think an out of state guy can go over there represent that state. And, you know, that state feel good about it. I think it's it's a better bet to develop a great player from Vegas, the same way Tampa has a great player in Bagway. He can go wherever. You know, um, Buck for, for Baltimore. These guys, like, I like right now, for right now, I'm not saying forever, for right now, for that, for Vegas to be viable, they need to have homegrown talent. Because trying to get talent from around the league, these guys are going to really sit in your face and be like, well, they're going to throw West Side up when they beat a New Jersey team. They're going to scream West Coast. And it's not going to feel the same if Steri is throwing up a W on the Vegas force. It's just not like, it's just not, it's not going to hit the same. And just, 
just for now, just for for the for the tribalness. That's what you guys are calling it, right? The the tribe of it. Just for right now, if we keep it, I know CP did the you know jumping from Jersey to Baltimore, but CP's a competitor. It's a two it's a two hour drive. It's still East Coast. It won't really be, you know, it won't really be that that big of a difference in that aspect because people these guys got to face CP multiple times a year, right? So. But keeping West Coast, West Coast, I would love to see an actual West Coast-style quarterback emerge where he really shows us his style of play. You get what I'm getting at? Like, I really – I would appreciate that more initially than having a Sterry go over there or a Huff go over there, and then you guys win because of those guys. You know what I'm saying? It would – I would I would just feel better about it. Yeah, but um, if, if, if the Gators – are successful with CP3 a quarterback? Do you think that their fans are gonna yell "s bag ho" any less obnoxiously? No, because I don't. No, but again, I told um, you that's and, there's, and a that's, that's you, there's a difference there. There's a difference. That's where you, Gators didn't have. Yeah, Gators Gators didn't have a quarterback, so there's a difference there. It, but they've had quarterbacks in Baltimore who have stepped up to that position, and you could still point at. You can't point at CP right now and say he's the best quarterback in Baltimore. That's rude. That's kind of a spit in the face to all the quarterbacks that come from Baltimore. So, again, if Vegas can get a home homegrown talent is where it's at because these guys are going to score and scream out their state, and it's going to feel good. It's going to sound good. It's going to make it even better. So that rivalry, you know, make it – I'm not going to say it right. I have an accent. Nevada, Nevada. Versus <laughs> Nevada. 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 Oh my God, that sounds like a Boston accent. That's sick. Nevada, I'm from Boston. Nevada, it's all good. Nevada. Nevada. Nevada versus everybody. You feel me? It, it's 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 probably what they need right now to get more talent in Nevada. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. So, well, speaking of accents, before we get too far from don't do it. Leave leave them alone. Leave, leave them alone. Leave them alone. They're not even here to defend themselves. Leave the Baltimore accent alone. Leave them alone. That's free. Then we're gonna, we're gonna end up with a Baltimore podcast where it's just RTU and Ike yelling at Corey for forty five minutes. Ike will mumble. We won't understand what he's saying. And RTU. He would never blaspheme my name. We have too much respect for each other. That's awesome. Well, uh, Rob, I agree with your point. My, my, the, the, the point you made, I just want to pile on a little bit. It's not how people cheer from you with the, the winning team. It's the team that you beat that was going to look across and you like, yeah, you, you won, but you had to steal somebody over here to come do it. You couldn't do that shit on your own, right? As, as a player, a former player, that's what I'd be thinking about. But at the end of the day, Everybody wants to win. There's a reason that these super teams come together in the first place. Uh, I, I personally am not a fan of free agency like at all, but uh, I'm just one of them old school ugly guys who who feel like you know you grow your own, you win your own, and and that's how you build it. That's how you build a, a team and a and a real fan base. Or you can be you know like some of these other teams in these major leagues where you know the 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 culmination of these super teams is how they're winning championships. And I fucking hate it. So that, I guess, uh, and so guys, I'm gonna... you, Derek, if you're going to build within what's the next step for Vegas as a division. And, you know, since we were talking about them, maybe specifically the force as, as a, as an individual unit, what, what do these guys out there under your purview do to take that next step to, 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 to close the gap? Right. They're all understanding that they can't just roll off the couch. That that's the that's the easiest bridge that is going to elevate their game. Let's say 
10, 20%. But what we've done as a league, what those clips on SportsCenter have done is raise the interest level of football in Las Vegas for A7 to where every guy who's now playing 11-man, 8-man, arena, GDFL, EAFL, ECF, and all these other leagues that are on Vegas are all bringing a team to A7 for the fall because they want to compete. The free agency that will take place within that is what will make the teams that show up in the spring better. The recruiting that we're going to do out of all of the universities that are around our area, because guess what? Vegas is on an island. There's nobody between us and Ohio, so we can recruit everybody from Utah, Arizona, Vegas, Colorado, and even Southern California because why we beat Southern California. So those guys, we're talking to people who are just getting done playing college ball like, hey, you didn't get an offer. You didn't get invited to camp. Come play in the A7FL. Let's show you how to get your your stock up, get you on SportsCenter. Maybe you'll get a look. So that's we're, – we're doing all of the developmental league things here and attracting high-level recruits to come to A7 right out of the universities that are around us and looking at the high school guys who don't get JUCO invites because their grades aren't there and say, look, let us develop you here. Do, so do we have – what are some of the names for some of the new teams coming into our division, Derek? Oh wow! Do we have those uh, yet? You know what? Let, let let's save that. We we probably need to end this. We're an hour and a half in. I'd like to save that for the next one, uh, if if you Absolutely. don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, on a high note, guys, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate the three of you and Casey, but the three of you specifically coming on Absolutely. for our very first podcast. It's been an absolute joy. I love the conversation. I was planning on giving you guys a bunch of shit, but you're all just really good dudes. That makes it tough. So hope I, I didn't get all the digs that I wanted to, but I had a really good time. So thank you. And Matt, I'm not going to steal your outro, but I will say, don't be a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me $20. I'll try. Yeah, at, at least 20 <laughs> Right. Way, way to be on brand, Corey. I love it. Well, let me just say thanks for having me. But uh, I'm listening closely because one of our early pods, which was relatively humorous, by the way, if you, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go and, and, and get yourself some laughs. But I'm going to be listening closely because if you guys have roasts for me that didn't make the official roasts, I'm going to be wondering why you didn't shoot your shot when it was when it was made public. Because well, I didn't uh, want a jersey word by your funky ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> let, me just, let, me just say, let me just say, you know that we wouldn't have awarded you guys the jersey because you don't want it. That's what the fans are for. But that roast was actually not too bad itself. So maybe you should have. Maybe you would have won. Oh, I got some high level stuff on your show. I got some high level stuff. I will. I will yeah. compile a few for the next pod. That's my. That's there my gift go. to you. In in twenty, listen. In twenty fifty, when these things are are rare collectors' items, I don't. I'm going to bring this this uh this tape back, and then I'll wake up from my uh, dementia and you know come back to reality. So, um, as always, guys, uh, Matt and Rob, you guys are are among my best friends, Aww. and I have a huge family, so that's saying a lot. And then Derek and KC. I, I knew you guys wanted to, and you definitely deserve to give us a ton of flack and, and, and give us our comeuppance. But you guys are just awesome, and the fact that you guys didn't shows why you're, you know, when when Matt 
outros off of a, a show that you would be on, and he says, don't be an asshole. We both know that you guys would do more than just trust. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's ingrained in me, bro. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a gentleman in the public. Behind the scenes, it's a whole other ballgame, but I, I do my best. Yep. But I did, I did not mention Curtis Pac-Man Jones' hairline the entire show, so I think he deserves something. <laughs> Are we done? Wait, 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 on the show, God, right? we, we, we need we need to be. <laughs> yep. All right, gentlemen. Yep. Thank you so very much. Everyone, have a great night. Thank you for staying up so late with us, uh, and uh, we'll catch you on the we'll catch you on the other side of the ball. <laughs>